such a fun conversation that we had. I mean, talking with someone about like from that lived through the same kind of technology boom that we grew up in. Like I remember I had two magazines when I was growing up in high school in my bedroom <laughs> that like stayed in my bedroom closet like all four years of high school. One was like one Asian girl in Seventeen magazine with long black hair who had vivid blue streaks. And I was like, this is my hair goal. <laughs> and so like the first time I ever dyed my hair was to like try to emulate that, was to get the, these long, vibrant blue streaks in my hair. So that was one side. And the other magazine I had was the magazine of Jerry Yang, the founder of Yahoo, on the cover of a business magazine and being featured as a leader of a tech company. So that really inspired my whole tech career aspirations. Wow, you were way more thoughtful as a high schooler than I ever was. It's just, I think it just happened. And like, that's just what I remember of like the two magazines that I had looked at the most in my I did not uh, do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was too busy watching 90210 in my vapid little world of high school drama. So congratulations for being four steps ahead of the average. Always. Oh, my God. So we went to college during this time when we were seeing like wild, I'd say it's called the first dot-com bubble, when people were investing in startups that were absolutely ridiculous like their their whole ideas were like so stupid (laughs) (laughs) but if you like said you were a tech company then like vcs would throw money at you and um that all the bubble burst and that that was like the the first huge bust of dot-com we both graduated college right when that bubble burst so i graduated in 2001 you graduated in 2002 and those were wild times. Yeah. <laughs> right. Finding a job then was nothing like finding a job now. Yeah. I mean, I had just gone to college for four years to become an engineer, right? Like, I, I remember senior year, like spring of senior year, I had a job lined up because it was uh, for my internship the previous year. And I kept seeing like all these other people, all, all fellow seniors around me, saying, oh my God, I just got my offer rescinded. Like the company promised to hire them after they got graduated and then they took back the offer because they could no longer afford to hire new people. So I was very lucky to not have my offer rescinded. So I did graduate with a job, but a year later, they laid off the entire R&D department. So I only had a job for one year. And then right when you graduated was when I had my first layoff experience. How about you? What, what was it like when you graduated in 02? So I was one of those art people. And so I obviously did not have a job leaving college. <laughs> so I went straight home because I had nowhere to go. I just know that all of my friends had no jobs, no prospects of jobs, nothing even close. My best friend at the time found a job at Enterprise Rental Car. I got a job at the competitor Hertz rental car in their air quotes, quote unquote, management trainee job, which is another word for wash cars and rent cars to people. So I will say it was definitely a, I think all of our experience, both of our experiences were very humbling, to say the least, of 
like, this is not at all what I expected my life to be like. And well, here I am. Yeah, that that's what that's totally what I remember. Like, uh, because there was no funding going into tech companies anymore. And therefore, like nobody was hiring, it also bled into other industries. Like there, there was just no money floating around Silicon Valley anymore. <laughs> money was no longer in the air. Yeah. And so after I got laid off, I was like, I'm not even going to try to get a tech job again, because like nobody's hiring anybody, especially people with very little experience. So I like walked out of my company when I the day of my layoff, and I walked right into Jamba Juice. And I put in an application. <laughs> and so I was like, I, you know, I don't care about getting another tech job. I am just going to learn how to make smoothies because I love smoothies. And I want to learn how to make great smoothies. So, so I like went and applied that same day to Jamba Juice, walked out with like, okay, you, you're hired, you can like, and so I was like, yes. but like I like I even that was like an easy success story of like me being able to get the job I wanted like that same day because a lot of my friends were at Stanford and they were walking out with master's degrees and they couldn't get jobs either and like they were applying and applying applying and they they kept like moving further and further away from tech (laughs) and um and and they eventually like a few months later we're like asking me like hey can you get us in a java juice (laughs) (laughs) they were applying for like food service like anything and like nobody was hiring so that's like how crazy it was like at the time like our degrees were worthless yeah so I you know I was really like I'm gonna really rethink my career choices here because I thought that I was betting on a sure thing but apparently not. And so, so I ended up going to community college to try out a whole bunch of different fields. And that's how I ended up figuring out the next year that I wanted to go into advertising. And that, that's the start of my marketing journey and the rest is history. <laughs> I think that's, that's like something that like we don't really think about, like those really tough beginning times of our career because I think we were fed by our parents this narrative and people feed to their children now this narrative that if you go to college you'll get a good job mm-hmm. and that wasn't guaranteed when we when we came out of college yeah exactly and I will say you know they all what's that saying about if you going through ba- uh, tough times is builds character <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will say Yes, it does build character, build, you know, that does help with the character, the resilience building, perseverance, like all of that. Uh, but also would have been cool if I just like didn't have to get a job at Hertz. So <laughs> yes. out there. But, but I mean, the last we were just talking about this before, right? So these last this last decade or so, the job market for those of us have been pretty good. For the mm-hmm. most part, up and to the right, if you will. And I find myself, I don't know if this happens to you, I find myself forgetting what it's like to not be able to get a job. Forgetting mm-hmm. what it's like to have to fight really hard to get some seemingly garbage job, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. now it's the exact opposite. It's like employees, you get to demand pretty much whatever you want. So every once in a while, I find myself having to check myself around okay, this is a stage, this is a phase, eventually this will pass. And so I need to recognize that at some point, everything is cyclical, and it is going to get harder to get a job. Mm -hmm. And then it'll get easier to get a job. 
it's just like that. So yeah. perspective is very important, I think, throughout one's life and career. Yeah. And I think expectations at any stage of your career, like you may see a lot of the success stories in front of you of like, oh, this classmate next to me got a crazy high offer for, uh, you know, they're get graduating from college and I'm st- sitting here struggling, maybe like worry that I don't even get an offer. I think everyone who compares themselves to the success that they see, especially success that people are really public about, I think can really be damaging in terms of a lot of people internally feeling like they're not measuring up or they're not keeping up with expectations. Like even at this stage in our careers, now like I'd say we're solidly mid-career, I think I'm, I still struggle with looking around at others around me. I don't know if you feel that <laughs> at all. I'd say, yeah, I mean, I, I have the same feelings, but maybe for slightly different reasons. But again, it's the same idea of looking at the people around me and getting caught in this damaging cycle of, oh, but this person this, but that person that, and mm-hmm. not really reflecting on all this stuff that I've accomplished because I've been a badass at what I've been doing and recognizing that. It's easy to get away from that. I think we have to remind ourselves that we <laughs> we do a lot, and there's a reason <laughs> where we are at where we are. Well, it's hard, especially yeah. in the Silicon Valley. It is this like weird... Uh, bubble of bizarreness I don't even know how to say it like the sitcom Silicon Valley Mm -hmm. that is a freakishly accurate representation of what the real life Silicon Valley is like it is so out there but it's real (laughs) that you don't even understand what is reality what is a reasonable expectation of things because everything around us feels so bizarre yeah I mean, it really, it does, it feels like very random how some people could be catapulted to success because they got lucky, basically, Mm -hmm. and not because of their competence and hard work. And we talked with Carrie about a lot of people feeling like a bamboo ceiling exists, and that being why we don't see more, especially East Asian representation among the leadership and I, I keep thinking that like the tech industry would be the best chance uh, for seeing Asian American representation in leadership. But we're just not seeing that in the highest levels of tech companies. And like, I'd say, you know, ever since that inspirational picture of Jerry Yang on the cover of my business magazine when I was in high school, even though so many of us are entering these companies and and working in these companies. I think you and I have been trying to noodle a lot on how how do we break through the bamboo ceiling. One of the biggest mental models that has stayed with me was back when Sheryl Sandberg first published Lean In, I I got really involved with it. And I, I especially really liked her metaphor of thinking of your career not as a ladder, where you just step, 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 like go to a good college, get a good job, get promoted in the job, get promoted, promoted, promoted. But think of it more as a jungle gym where you're going to make some leaps off of the ladder that you were on and into maybe another field, another role, another location, or even another company size. But it's not 
necessarily going to be a well-laid-out ladder for you. And when I think about this, especially for Asian Americans in their careers, I think it's very easy for us to fall into the trap of looking at the ladder that the company or the industry has laid out for you and thinking, this is, this is, these are steps that I need to take to get to the top. But we don't realize is that we're climbing somebody else's ladder and that ladder is not built to recognize our strengths and our personalities. Do you, do you feel like this at all? Yes. So as we look around at the people around us and, you know, we sometimes get fall into this trap of comparing ourselves to somebody else's success and then getting down on that. What you're saying is, and I think this is such a great way of approaching it, is we need to look at what our strengths are and not be feel held back to have to assimilate into what these mm-hmm. other definitions of success should be. Take what your own strengths are and highlight those, embrace those to create a, a new definition of what success can look like. There's not just mm-hmm. one ladder, like you said. It's a jungle gym. You could go all different ways and differentiate yourself using your strengths and mm-hmm. own that And that will make success for you over time. And that will help break apart the systems that are in place from that are more dominant and give people, you know, that are coming up behind you more Mm -hmm. options as well and give them more opportunity because you help to break that mold of what is currently defined as a ladder. Exactly. So I love the, the example that Carrie gave when we was talking about growing up. And the era that we grew up in where, oh, going to lunch, he would bring dumplings and then everybody would be like, ew, what's that? And he just wanted a Lunchable because everybody around him wanted Lunchables. And that was what was the definition of a good lunch. Whereas now with his kids, our kids, the culture has changed away from that assimilation into differentiation. So it's like, oh, everybody now wants those dumplings. They're like, oh, cool. What's that cool thing that you have? Can I have some? And that's something that they're proud of. Like, oh, yeah, I got the lunch that everybody has. And so I think that's exactly how we can carry ourselves into and our mindsets into our professional lives is how the kids are looking into the differentiators of their identities and embracing that, embracing that in each other. So that everybody that comes up behind them is like, everybody else wants the dumplings because you set the stage that dumplings are good. Absolutely. And, and it translates to what he has done in terms of leaving more institutional investment firms and go, like building his own, like basically founding his, his yeah. own VC firm. And now he's the one that decides what does the ladder look like within his company? He gets to define the culture and he gets to, to define um, what does a successful contribution look like in his team. Carrie's got the dumplings now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, basically, if you don't like how you're not being recognized by someone else's ladder, you should start your own thing and then you get to define the ladder. And as we said at the beginning of the, of the episode, when you're an entrepreneur, a lot of times you have to raise money. And if the investors on the VC side are also blocking out, say, women or Asians, 
um, because they don't fit the mold of what they think like a tech CEO should look like, then they're also their entrepreneurs are also going to get blocked from even getting started. So now with VCs like Carrie funding new ventures, the capital barrier for our new entrepreneurs is is going to be reduced because we have more diversity in the VC space. Now more entrepreneurs like Carrie can be recognized uh, for the values that they bring and and they can actually get the funding they need to get started. So I really love how Conductive Ventures really has put their values out front and they are not values that look like other VC firms' values because that really signals that these are investors that are able to appreciate the, say, underrepresented uh, characteristics of founders out there and understand like th- this these founders have the work ethic have the understanding of the no- of the industry you know have everything that is needed in order to be successful they just need the funding if you don't like lunchables you bring your dumplings and you show people how delicious those dumplings are and eventually they're going to want dumplings too Exactly. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> Lesson learned. You're welcome. There we go. Take that to the bank. <laughs> there we go. Thank you so much for joining us for Hearts in Taiwan. Make sure to check out our show notes in the episode description for links to all the things we shared today. We would love to hear from you. Our DMs are always open or you can email us at hello at heartsintaiwan.com. Until then, follow your curiosity and follow your heart.